So today on Vulnerable, I have a very special guest, Alison Stoner. She's a singer, dancer, actress, and she has been in many franchises, such as Step Up and Cheaper by the Dozen, the Camp Rock movies. Alison's really an amazing person. Um, I'm so excited that we got to talk about her movement platform that specializes in helping people uh, with mental health and anxiety. She stepped away from acting to focus a lot on all of this, as well as advocacy for child actors. So I do want to shout out a little bit of a trigger warning because we did share some of our stories as we were younger. That might be a little bit on the more serious side, but please take a listen. I'm Christy Carlson Romano, and this is The Vulnerable Podcast. I'm so excited that Allison is here today. She is uh, radiating purity. I love her so much. I'm going to suck it up. I can feel it. I um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I do. I feel really honored that you came on my little podcast. Thanks for having me. I live in Austin now. Yeah. And we've been communicating a lot lately. I would like more, but you are very busy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You act like we've been trying. You didn't reach out to me. <laughs> you in never my get mental back, mind. You liar. No, no, no. The reason I say this is because there was a wonderful uh, email exchange happening, which I'll let you kind of expand on mm -hmm. that has been a couple months in the making. Yeah. And like it was leading up to a really amazing night chat that everyone kind of agreed to be on. And it was a night that Brendan, I believe you were sick. Probably. He was not able to take care of the kids. He was not feeling well. But then my kids were kind of just running me ragged they're, and I didn't have any worst. help. I didn't have any help that day. And I was Sorry. like, it was about eight o'clock. This is my fault. This didn't happen. Anyway, I'm very bummed that I couldn't be part of the, well, the let's conversation. Well, let's talk about what it was. Yeah. Yes. So, hey, everyone. Hey. <laughs> I love that it just <laughs> oh, we just get into smoothly it. began. Yeah. Was yeah, it? That's what we was did. it? <laughs> um, so I had written an op-ed at some point last year. Maybe it was a few years ago at this point. Time right. is irrelevant. <laughs> and... Uh, and it was talking about the psychological impact of child actors in the industry. And I wasn't interested in conveying another kind of drama-filled narrative. Right. It wasn't about the e-true Hollywood story. It was, how does this translate to better caring for young people in the industry, but also broadly speaking? Like, can we ask some important questions here? If this child is categorically performing the same things that would be considered child labor, right. sometimes forced labor. 100%. Then where is the line of what should and shouldn't go on and who's looking out for them? And why are there no resources for parents? Why is this for an issue? Why does it even happen in the first place? Yeah. Yes. Things to explore. So I started gathering a couple different people. And at some point, we were in touch suddenly. Yeah. How did that happen? After your op-ed, I was very affected by it. I mm. had also done an op-ed for Teen Vogue. Mm. It was it started to become on my radar. And I, I kind of stumbled onto sort of not exposing, but like sharing my sort of side of things. And then, of course, I, I had my first child and then after the second child, too, I've had two daughters, you know? And, and the you become passionate about the subject. Oh, so man. So you kind of hit on it. The, the concept of, well, are you going to put your kids in the business? It's like, 
Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and and I know so many families who choose a different path, but no matter what the decision is, so badly, I want to be able to say, hey, can we let you know what to expect first and then help you understand these long-term effects on how right. your child will conceive of themselves, of the world, of relationships, and then make your decision. But please put their well-being first and just know these things that you'll never be able to detect in the moment or even two years from now, maybe even four. But 12 years from now, they'll come back to you and say, why was that my oh. life and why didn't we have any conversations about all these absurd things going on? Or even worse, they won't come to you and they'll right. internalize the sort of trauma right. of it rather than know how to process what happened to them. And and then it manifests in a whole bunch of coping mechanisms and yeah. I wouldn't know anything about that. You don't know anything about no, that. I have zero trauma. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, let's get it. This is great. It. This is like this you guys is... have such the same, like such a similar path. You can like... It is. You can really start getting into this. It's so it. atypical as well. And I think that's what. Yeah, it's like I always difficult. used to say it's 1% of 1%, even yeah. though Disney stars are just like you, right? Like, well, was, that's the irony, right? Yeah. Like, we we work so hard to be relatable, but none of us have been to prom. None of us, like, right. my really. first kiss was, I think, one of the Sprouse twins on camera. Like, that's not normal. I didn't learn how to ride a bike until I had a commercial callback. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that <laughs> I laughed in a broken way. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but it's true. I can laugh with you wholeheartedly. Yes, yes. It's hard to laugh with my husband about certain things. Yeah. But then again, he was a little bit broken, too, in his own regard, which is where. And there's this other concept I want to throw out that you said, look, I'm an advocate. I'm, you know, now, I mean, I, I, I almost venture to say you're an educator in this regard too, or becoming an educator. You said it, not me. I did not make that claim. I'm saying Don't it. put that on me. I'm saying. It's been said. Allison Stoner is an educator and a child advocate. So. I'm a human doing my best. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trauma porn was Oof, yeah. um, something that was mentioned to me earlier today as a term, and it was really a useful thing. And yeah. that is, you know, it's kind of, scary because it pushes a narrative deeper into sensationalizing it and that's not what we're trying to do we're trying to right change it and translate it into to practical actions that we can take in the industry but also people on their own healing journey can learn from and apply to their own lives like it very much i have no interest in just like swimming in the soup of traumatic stories i right. we already portrayed plenty of characters who've been there and for a viewer, like, that's a whole other factor of the conversation. How it's affecting consumers, audiences, everyone, when we are exposed to certain imagery and our minds are um, creating scenarios and we're, you know, potentially re-traumatizing ourselves or traumatizing ourselves for the first time just because we clicked play on something. Like, How do you, so give me an example exactly, like a euphoria situation where they're like kids are like not really acting like kids and then like the kids are I feel like you just you just opened a can of worms yeah. by naming like a hit show <laughs> and I have no right to like place my opinion on cuz I haven't seen it and I don't own a TV but I will say broadly speaking everyone is going to have a different subjective experience when they're watching a show for some it will be liberating to see someone finally who understands what they're going through mm -hmm. and perhaps depending on how the characters develop 
maybe they will find hope that there's a way out. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully someone has hope. There's there. no hope in euphoria. Okay. <laughs> it's called euphoria though. That's ironic. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the whole point of it. <laughs> okay. Is it's just a hopeless, hopeless place. Oh no. Well, ugh. don't ever watch it. Okay. But, what? But if you're going to watch it, maybe watch it. Okay. It's one of those. But you know what I'm saying? Like that's how parents feel about Euphoria. Where it's absolute nightmare. But see, there are probably so many young kids who have never been in any of those scenarios who are mm. now curious about them, maybe wanting to dabble in them. So it, it's so situation and context specific. Well, Dare, Dare actually just came out recently, not against Euphoria, but sort of shots fired at Euphoria because they're oh. like, look, you have an opportunity to either work with us or we are now going to have to condemn Euphoria wow. because they felt as though it was sort of being a little irresponsible in its imagery at okay. four children and sort of romanticizing the notion of, of I guess, this hopelessness. That I don't really know anything about or... the show. I just well, I watched watch the it. first season and I'm consciously not watching the second season, but mm. I, in my feed, I, I see people doing all these strange filters, the euphoria makeup filter and the oh, euphoria aesthetic and the lifestyle behind the aesthetic when I see how crazy social media is. And this is something that I think we can also kind of chat about. We can chat about a lot of things. I know. We'll be here a long time. <laughs> we will be. <laughs> Which is good. I'm actually moving in. Okay, good. I did sign the lease. No, that's fine. Yes. That's sweet. I, I love that. Okay, so, so sorry. Go let's journey. go back. Yeah, let's go back. Let's talk sure. to Allison. Um, did we cover though what what why I wasn't able to chat and like what that was? Did you mention what that was that we were doing? Oh, I don't modules? know. Modules. We, have... we didn't really discuss the modules. I can give you like a. I'll give you a log line. Okay, eh, we're good at log lines. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm in the process of developing alongside a team of health experts and actors mental health toolkits for artists. That's to help awesome. them have resources before auditions, after auditions, how to enroll as a character, de-roll to make sure there aren't blurred lines between identities, even things down to rejection, comparison, stage fright, just having practical tools that help them navigate the day in, day out. This is brilliant. Chaos of I love that. artistry. I told you. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. It's I, so necessary. I, so the, the And it doesn't exist. Tell me why. Okay, so here's you weren't around. Historically, historically That's why. Hold on, remember though, the looking ahead program. Mm, oh. Yeah. So looking ahead program, one of the uh heads of it was Fred Savage. I mm. think he was really an honorary like chairman or something. Got it. But uh it was it was kind of lovely to know that, you know, I had met Fred and and he was his first directing gig was even Stevens and it changed his, right. the course of his entire life. And then he's on, you know, It's Always Sunny, and he's, you know, a big director now. And that's his life. He doesn't act anymore. But he started on The Wonder Years, and they certainly didn't have any programs like this. But he and his brother, Ben Savage, have always seemed to manage just fine in this industry and not sort of get caught up. In fact, there's a lot of stars from the 90s, child stars, like the, the whole cast of Boy Meets World. They're all sort of still in touch and like Stable? pretty well adjusted. Yeah, and I've met them on Comic Cons and stuff, and they're all pretty well adjusted kids. Like there is sort of a certain time and place, like the TGIF era, yeah. where like some of those kids, like the Candace Camerons, that like they just kind of figured it out. And mm. I don't know if it's because their parents weren't coming from a desperate place or like, but again, for every round, of those kids, there's a whole nother round of, yeah. Well, Will, Will says they're on set, like they were actually like a family. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. And like people yeah. were supportive of one another and checking in on one another. Well, there was also and mentorship like, from Mr. Feeney and like mentorship wow. is huge. Unique. Very rare. Oh my gosh. I wish Mr. Feeney was my mentor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so rare though for that to happen offset, onset and to yeah. stay in touch. And for, yeah. that's an anomaly in this business. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, so where, to, where, so where to unpack that, that <laughs> um, looking ahead program was like, from what I understand, from what we've learned and what you taught I volunteered me. for it. They did background check me. Basically when the kids that are any, any time a child would enroll in the, only the Hollywood, right? Location. So if it was a California Screen Actors Guild member who was under the age of 18, they had they were given the option of enrolling themselves into the Looking Ahead program, which was overseen by Keith McNutt and Sharon Liebline, who used to be like the head of casting at Nickelodeon, was yeah. one of the people there. They had social workers working as sort of almost like camp counselors. And it was huh. a active sort of after-school program for these kids that you would have otherwise met at the Oakwood and like they're in town, like completely <laughs> taken away from their families. And so it becomes their little clubhouse okay. at on Wilshire Boulevard and the SAG building. And so they had like financial fluency classes for the parents. They had the okay. social worker have like open dialogues with the parents. They had an infrastructure there that I had not seen and they broke it down into age ranges so that the kids were really just in a younger age range, were just a play date. Right. With guided sort of principles, right, that sort of were catered to them. And then if one of those kids in the program was showing signs of distress, the social worker would come in and try to have an open dialogue with the with the parents. Wow. I know. I mean, like, I, I immediately back then knew that it was something that mattered to me. Yeah. I did my senior thesis. I went back to college at, like, 26 and ended up meeting my husband there. But that was when I went back again at 30. It took me 12 years to finish my degree. Oh, hey, that's so encouraging because it's going to take me about nine, I think. So. Do it. You take will get time. a better education, take I believe, time. by taking 
the time that you need because you won't be in the mindset of really- I received that. Thank you. Okay. Because <laughs> I had to delay this session and quarter and I was just so disappointed. No, I think it's because there's so much more that's going to happen for you in the next like, you know what I'm saying? I absolutely received that interpretation. <laughs> Great. Amazing. But that was kind of a, what that program was, was sort of a 1.0. It wasn't like greatly or widely accessible to so many people. Well, they, they, they were, were trying. Yeah, and it was, it, yeah. it was only if the parents chose. The type of parent that right. is negligent or needs to be sort of held accountable. Held accountable. There's hope for them as well. They need to know that they're hurting their child. If they don't understand the the ramifications, they may not right. understand that. Right. Then, but likely they're not the ones who are actively seeking resources to support their child's development. Correct. They're not going to enroll their kids in that kind of program. Yeah. Which means that the only people that can really do that would be the union at large in, in tandem with the productions. But it, well, and don't you think that there could be some kind of easy kind of conditional statement when signing with representation that, first of all, if an agency is going to represent children, they need to go through the modules. Yeah. And and then second of all, if someone's going to sign with them, why is there not just like a, hey, welcome to this family. Here are some guidelines. Here's what this process will look like. Here's Here are tools so that Agents also don't have to be taking care of all of the calls they probably receive from families going, I don't know about this, and can you walk me through this? Like, I feel like a toolkit would streamline the process for everyone, but also act as a buffer for parents to be able to look within and know, okay, maybe I do have a little bit of a different motivation here, or just check in and know your capacity. Because a lot of families don't understand that once you get on the train, it just keeps going. Yep. And whether you're working and booking or not, there's always something to do, a place to be. And it's, it is, you know, turning the rest of your life upside down, especially if you have other kids, like or a partner, marriage, like everything just kind of crumbles a lot for people who have no idea that it was going to require that level of capacity, time, energy, money, and it just starts to, you know. Web out. Yeah. The tendrils of it start to web out. Yeah. So my mom left my three siblings behind when we moved here at 16, and they were all finishing high school, and, you know, they had already been used to her leaving, too, because when I was younger, I did touring Broadway shows, and I would go to different, you know, cities every week, and she was like, this is fantastic. This is such an experience for you, for me, but it's like, you've got three kids back home who are struggling with their father and your, you know, your marriage might be imploding. You know, I am now a mother and I look at that and I say, wow. Now, like for a long time, I felt the impendingness of like the sacrifice. So like if my mom's life didn't amount to, you know, this perfect version that maybe she even tried to insinuate she needed to have, you know, there was a lot of guilt there. And displacement from my family, like my relationships to my siblings are, are, are truly, you know, less than. Afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Afraid. Absolutely. That's, that's the word. So, yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's one instance. That's a personal relation to that. Do you have siblings? I do. And, and interestingly enough, one of my sisters is now my co-founder. Oh, wow. And that's that awesome. has been the most unexpected, healing, positive family related experience yeah. because I Healing. I didn't really even know my siblings. I didn't really grow up in the same household. Right. I was always away. Totally. You were I an only child. LA, they yeah. were Ohio. Yeah. And then even when they were uprooted to move to LA, 
we were, the way I explain it to people is that we were just a bunch of islands. We were self-governing. We did our own things. Right. But maybe we were all a part of some larger whatever. Yeah. But Last name. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. that's it. Right. How many siblings do you have? So I, I have two full sisters and then something like, and this is where you see just how estranged we are. I don't actually remember offhand how many step and half no step siblings that I have. Okay. Okay. I, That's interesting. I think there are about eight. Wow. <laughs> um, but my so they split. So my my parents divorced when I was three, and then okay. my mom remarried, and she remarried a man who was financially able to make it work for us to even explore the right, industry. Right, right. It's interesting you say it like that. Yeah, like, no, but it's she true. didn't choose to marry him. I don't know what I said. Him. What did I say? Yes. But he was financially able. She, she, yes, but mm-hmm. you're saying that that was not a that was that was not why she married him. But no, was, I don't think so. Because <laughs> like, because oh. the industry wasn't a part of it yet. Okay, perfect. All. Okay, perfect. You're just saying he was also that helped. Well, with I that. I don't think my biological father might have even entertained the idea of exploring things. Okay. And my stepfather, for whatever reason, said yes. Okay. I, that is a very complex dynamic. There's a lot of addiction. There's a lot of abuse within the household. Sure, sure. And frankly, I think, you know, he was a formerly powerful executive and marrying, uh, you know, a, a, a younger woman who had kids after he had already raised his own probably was a bit... It kind of unraveled him in a way. <laughs> and then one of them was me. And suddenly I'm uprooting the entire family and I'm stealing everyone's time and energy. And not saying that that justifies his behavior, but everything worsened when we moved to Los Angeles. Mm. And, you know, it was. So he left, he came here too. He, yeah, came out here as well okay. eventually because they, you know, they wanted to be, want, together. They wanted to be together. Yeah. And I was not slowing down. I was from the outside in, you know, so many people are congratulatory of the child who never stops booking. Meanwhile, when you are the child, you have no other map of the world. And you're like, yeah, this is the only version of reality I know is that after I get done with this set, I go to another set. And then after I train and then after I, you know, have all of these adult responsibilities, but I still don't know how to do laundry or any basic chores or like brush my teeth consistently because like, okay, can we just talk about consistency and structure? So, Uh, okay. We can go for hours. (laughs) So like something that people don't understand, which I'm glad we touched upon this sort of uh, family dysfunction, first and foremost, <laughs> this is a cautionary tale, right? <sighs> or not. It's an illuminating like like uh, plea for people yeah. to understand mm-hmm. the 360 version of putting your kid in the biz. Yeah. Um, Even well-meaning, wonderful parents. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so... <laughs> So much in that look. <laughs> Brent, Brendan has watched me unravel and unravel up and unravel, being triggered by being a mom. It's it's been yeah. very healing, right? And especially like my generation of moms are also really trying to break generational traumas. You know what I mean? And like do gentle parenting tactics and really try not to to lose it. And so is he. So is he as a as a as a, as a co-parent. You know. Mm-hmm. And he's doing great. <laughs> we did not have that growing up, that structure already. We're right. doing really great with that structure. I have um, have an issue 
and I'll call myself out about it with wanting my girls to have structure because I never had it. Like I could never be on team sports. And it was an issue for me, I think, that I never really fully stomached mm. because I was, I felt like even in my op-ed, I, I, I talk about it a lot too, that I just felt like a misfit, you know, my whole life. I didn't really feel like there was ever like a, like a tribe. And I certainly didn't feel like I was a part of my family. Yeah. So in other child actors, you're supposed to be competing against, so you're oh, not going to find your, they were your community enemies. there. Yeah, they're your actual enemies, unfortunately. That's so crazy. Yeah, and like so now it's like so liberating to collaborate with people like Allison. And what I found, which we'll go into this too, I guess, is the fear based. Mm. It's still there for a lot of these people. You know, I thought when I started a cooking show that was in just a silly little nostalgic cooking show. Oh, I told I told you no. Oh, you did. I told you I wouldn't go on the show, and I'm wherever you're going with this is probably something I was, I was holding on to. But I was never going with you. I'm going with like everyone else that was sort of mm. like subbing out. I thought that maybe you didn't do the show because it wasn't like addressing this type of stuff, and so I was respectful of that. Like I, 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 I didn't have any judgment on that. But there were people I think that were more of the Disney ilk too, like more specifically too. I was like well, I mean, I feel like this could get your name out there and maybe it's helpful. Like, I don't know, but if you're not aligning and I'm not aligning, then fine. But I did feel like there was fear. I felt like there was a lot of fear. Was the fear related to people kind of wanting to avoid having to revisit? So that's it, right? So I look at somebody like Lelaine, who who really took a big risk wow. in coming on the show for me. Yeah. And she hasn't- She doesn't do anything. She doesn't yeah, do she anything. Doesn't. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't, right? Like, yeah. she's- Totally awesome. And we had a blast. Yeah. And we had a blast. And like, you know what's so crazy is that nine times out of 10, at, by the time I finished cooking with them, like halfway, okay, so everyone was really scared and like perfectly poised yeah, for the right, first totally. like 10 minutes, you know? And then like we started cooking and then I'd like, like I'd oh, say an F word. Yeah. I would say an F word or like, you know, oh, something would happen. You know? <laughs> but like at the same time, I'm like, oh, fuck it, we'll cut it out, you know? And then. And then they started realizing, they're like, oh, wait, like, this is okay. It's like, very this different. Isn't a set. It looks right. good, but wait a minute. She's not pressing me. She's not making me uncomfortable. She just wants to kind of laugh and, yeah. Okay. And then by the end of it, you could just see, and I think, Brendan, it was palpable, right? Like, they would just relax. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that it. you say that they were your enemy because it's probably, it's like, oh my God, I don't want to enter back into that negative space where people are this and who's doing what and who's doing that, this and that. And how relevant is it? Like, and then you go on and you're like, oh. Right. Like, like, actually, we've all gone through the same shit. <laughs> right. Like, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, but I get it. Like, I get, like, why going on to something like that I could think be. I, I love that we're, like, unpacking this on camera, being recorded. <laughs> it's on the record. It's on the record. Um, I almost distinctly remember that there were multiple reasons. One was scheduling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one, one was, like, I, I have this growth opportunity in my life to learn how to say no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's constantly a full plate usually overflowing. That's and amazing, I, by the way. <laughs> I mean, deserve that. believer in the power of no. Well, I am thankful for opportunities and in learning the skill of like prioritization because, sure. yeah, we only have so many hours in a day right. <laughs> and everything seems so important. So I do remember being like, okay, team, if it doesn't fall into this category, to yeah. your point, yeah. then yeah. let's start saying no. And then I remember there was also a very genuine part of me that was like, wait, do I want to 
associate myself with my past story that I'm just finally creating some distance from uh-huh. as I release music and uh-huh. produce new content and, you know, share new messaging and yeah. a different mission. Yeah. And do I want to tether myself to something that people have already just, you know, placed me in as my only container when we're three-dimensional human beings and yeah. have so much more to offer the world and and it's it's trauma to have been put in a box for that long you it's 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 great to break I mean, through we talked and to we Jonathan did, Nicky about it well the other thing, thing is that yeah. Allison didn't really know me well enough to know that I wouldn't put her in that situation right yeah right. and that and I'm so happy though that because of the advocacy we've been able to come yeah. together in just that simple nod and that simple yeah. acknowledgement or that simple that simplicity and we're, we're unpacking it now and I feel like by the end of this we'll We'll have so much more awareness of each other's experience, even though it's probably already there. But yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. It's cool to chat with you. It really I'm, is. I was gonna say I like what you kind of say sometimes about some of the content you make. It's like having a a foot in the past and a foot in the present. It's like okay, not being pigeonholed as only being Ren Stevens, Kim Possible, whatever, mm-hmm. or you know the super fucking famous dancer from Missy Elliott, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's this. There's this, but I think you have to give yourself the opportunity for growth and distance right. to be able to be comfortable with like, now I know my position on and the And to past. do it with agency, right? It's exactly. that yes, like it's reclamation where you're like, Absolutely. I'm choosing this consciously now. I'm not under a 360 contract where <laughs> <laughs> I can't move this hair without 12 right, right, people's right. permission. Oh, oh man. Oh, God. You so had it bad. I'll no. beat them all up for you. I will. Let me beat them up. I think we probably both have our fair share of stories. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's sometimes the subtler of the details, the more sinister, because I think a lot of people want to know, like, what was the fiasco? And tell us about that one moment that happened in that, you know, dark room with that one person. And it's like, it's way more plain than that. Yeah. It is everywhere kind of hidden in plain sight how how this cumulative effect on a child like ends up leading to these certain kind of behavioral patterns that are like so measurably consistent. That's the other thing for me when people are like, what's, how come all you child actors have all these issues? And I'm like, have you ever thought to ask? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever thought to ask another question? Let me just condemn you. But have you ever thought to ask another question besides that question? Right, right. Yeah, it's like you ask that question, but then you don't really want the answer. You want the salacious yeah. trauma porn of a yeah, child, which is predatory, actually, when you think about it. You said it, not me. I will say I will say it, and I will beat everyone up if I need to to save you, Allison. Can I actually comment on your boldness for a second? Well, yeah. I. It's, it's refreshing. Oh, it's refreshing as well as... A little, it reveals to me my own commitment to being that diplomatic, polished, like well-presented child version of myself. Like to see kind of you have a little bit of the, all right, I've been around the block a little longer. I have kids now. A lot of things that I used to care about, I don't have time to care about anymore. I'm doing new things. Like don't give any Fs. I'm like, okay, that could be my future if I stay on this path. Yay, I want Do that. It. And yeah. of course, like there's a time and place to, you know, still be mindful. But sure. but wow, thank you so much. But you seem kind you're of giving like me liberated. Like, in you're some saying way. like I'm mentor. Wow, dude. Who said that? I said that. <laughs> I just said I would say the things. I'm gonna say, thank you, Allison. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, you're hell like, yeah. Well, I remember meeting you for the first time. Okay. Oh my I gosh. do because you had that much charisma 
in such a tiny body. You uh, were so tiny. And you always wear pigtails. Because on Mike's super short show, you guys inter- interviewed me. Can you explain what that is? It was like an interstitial for Disney in between. Well, actually, let's say it, what, what it really is. Disney would make commercials about Disney's own projects. And they had a young kid and his sister talk about how wonderful the projects were. So people would then go buy and watch all of their products. So you're hyping yeah, it was, up. It you're was Disney propaganda. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Yo. I, I, I don't no. know. I, no. Well, first I don't know all, about that First one. of all, no, it wasn't Disney <laughs> propaganda. They were just talking about like, oh, hey, this movie just came out. Like, go see this movie. That's perfectly fine. It's their channel. They it's can do it. Totally because remember, fine, but it's also. Also not. But also. <laughs> Way to reframe that but for me. Have, they didn't have commercials. No, they That's didn't. That's what I was just going to say. And so yeah. we were the commercials. commercials. And we played all day long in between shows. But I was telling you earlier that because a different production house recorded the show, we were never considered Disney kids because we weren't invited to any of the events unless we were working on behalf of this other production house, which was a kind of a weird thing mentally because I was then cast on other Disney Channel series. Yes, she was an actress in lots of different I think stuff. it's like 13 projects. I'm, yeah. still, I'm still on, two, I think, one or two. I don't know. But you anyways. were like, it's technically like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Like that yeah, feeling yeah, yeah. of totally. why the heck is Disney not just like Well, I had my somewhere. own... I also had my own series that went up against Hannah Montana. Oh, which one was it? Mine was Forgive a spinoff of Raven. No, no, no. It never yes. saw the light of day. It was the pilot was an episode of That's a Raven, and then depending on how it tested. What was it called? I think it was called Better Days. Okay. And I was playing. Wait, was Mark Warren? Act- were they a part of that one? I think so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mark yeah. Warren was the writer uh, in the writing team. Dennis Rinsler, and Mark Warren, amazing yeah, guys. Yeah, right, right. They were the writers of Raven, and I remember them mentioning this, but I remember meeting you because you were so charismatic and impactful and so sweet, and probably because I, ha- I saw myself in you, mm. and I was like, she's really- do it, kid. No, no, no there's no, nothing no. you can do. <laughs> See, because I was, I was at the top that of my feeling. game, right? And she was interviewing me, and I remember seeing her being like 16, 17, or whatever it was, and just kind of seeing her be as young as she was, because she was really small. She was really short. And I you very distinct tall. But see, this is something yeah. that I rem- uh. but this is something I remember clearly feeling like, oh, that kid's gonna that's that's the kid. She's growing up, I'm growing up in it, we're all growing up in it. And it's like a child of 16 should not have that mentality about the world. And sometimes my husband and I will be like, he's like, babe, you have a very negative worldview. And that's my journey. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I'm currently working on is not to pollute my children's worldview because the right, world right. is so crazy. They've got to enjoy the life that they have. So, yeah. But I, but to your point, I have found myself when I see other young actors and you know, parents are seeking support and encouragement from me or wanting to talk and celebrate, you know, about all of the recent auditions. And and my heart is inwardly breaking a little bit because I'm like, oh, there's so much more to this story. There are so many layers here. Mm-hmm. And I just hope, hope, hope that your child develops into a whole person like it's already it's already too late to pretend that this is normal so it's not going to be a normal childhood but you can still make it beautiful and like we all to some degree have different variations of what it means to be a child and to have a childhood so you know i understand that ours might be more 
atypical, but it's like still a childhood though. It's just a different childhood. Just, yeah, you get yeah. a different you get a different track. Yep, yep, yep. For better and worse. But I think like what what, what I loved about seeing your work and your and your recent sort of push for advocacy was that we we should really reframe this. I'm going to go out and say it now because I haven't really done it before and I haven't taken the opportunity to say it. That child actors are child laborers. And like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of protections for them. No. They are the faces of multi-million sometimes billion dollar franchises and they are getting pennies and they're also getting trauma and they have no support. It's wrong, you know. The modules are amazing, but I also think there needs to be people, social workers on set, mm -hmm. just like there needs to be like intimacy counselors and right. stuff like that. There need to be. What do you mean by that? I'm sorry. I don't know what's there that. need to be social workers that are representing the children on no, what do you, all sets. What's, what's an intimacy? Counselor? Oh, like if there's a sex scene, they need to have an oh, intimacy oh, 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 person. Yeah, that's like yeah. there now. That's like a thing that's starting to happen, and I think that's great. Yeah, but how many times was I? having sex on camera and as a character and no one was there. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'm so glad to hear that it's happening now. And I yeah, wonder why not sooner? Yeah, I know. Well, why not with this child labor stuff? That's not cool. You know, I just, like I remember I was I was doing some ABC series and I probably was nine or 10 years old. And in the scene, they just decided in the moment it would be funny to have me smoke a cigarette suddenly as a kid. And I was the kid who was like, my mom told me never to smoke, to drink, to cuss, to do anything. And so yeah. I'm I'm now like in a catch-22 of do I get fired if I don't do this? But I, I don't want to take a puff. Do they really want me to do this on camera? What's going on? And then suddenly someone, you know, before we started rolling, was, it was a real like, cigarette? It was a, an herbal cigarette. Okay. And someone was like, we should probably call standards and practices on this one. And someone showed up to be like, yeah, this is You're not like, a good idea. Why am I idea. even here? Of course not. <laughs> and so there are so it's many crazy. of those occasions where I you're like. I sent Allison something recently oof. a couple days ago about oh. Brooke Shields. I don't know how. I don't know how that um, happened. Yeah. Wait, what is it? What so happened? Brooke Shields was on according the to this TikTok, right? Yeah, but I actually think it's I think it's I th we need to. OK, so we need to fact, fact check, check it. Yeah, but go ahead. Brooke Shields was on the cover of Playboy at 10 years old. Something like that. Hmm? 12 years old, something what? like that, 12 maybe. And, and they asked why she was able to do that. And in the comment section of this TikTok, it said, it's documented that the mother approved of it. And the but mother she gave was consent. Nude, is, is that right? She was, she nude. was nude. She was wait, nude. Wait, 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 wait. Elizabeth, no. you, yeah. 10 years old. There's, Hold on, let's fact check that real quick. I mean, it, it's so crazy, right? Because that's that can't be. It's it absurd. Is, it's true. Okay. This is real. Okay. Good idea, Dan. Okay. My body is getting warm. The truth behind 10-year-old Brooke Shields' nude Playboy photos. Brooke Shields was just 10 when photographer <laughs> Gary Gross took photos of her posing nude in a bathtub in 1975. Ah. Uh. I mean, and this goes on, and I can't even do it. The reason why she was able to do this is because her mother gave consent. I don't know what the legal system was that, they, but th this is where we're, you know, this is where we're, the bar is set extremely, extremely low. Wow. Um, so Ooh. this is very disturbing as I continue to read it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't even want to just like swap stories because we could forever, right. but two particular stories come to mind and I'll try to be really brief. A mother 
DM'd me. She had read the op-ed and she has a young kiddo who's like two or three years old or something. And they were hired, the kid was hired to be in a movie, I think was a thriller. And maybe up front they had said, don't worry, nothing will be shot at the same time as, you know, the person committing the violent act. Well, on the day, everything changed. Mm -hmm. And the child was subjected to Horrific things. Gross, gross behavior was the subject of, you know, a lot of things. And after, could not sleep alone, could oh not, was, was trailing her parent, <sighs> was not speaking. And the mother reached out and, you know, out of privacy, I'm not going to say much more. And I, I know that I'm not a licensed therapist and nor, nor do I technically know if they are, you know, BSing me or if this is a, a real message from someone. I don't see why they would. But yeah. I, you know, I said, here's as a human to human, here are some tools to consider. And then in the meantime, as you're seeking professional help, like here are some ways you can create some check-in systems with your your daughter just so she knows that when she inevitably has to go back to set the next day, by the way, like the scene's not over, that there is an anchor point and that as much as you can, you can create a sense of safety in her body, a sense of safety. Can I ask you where the where the parents generally are when this type of stuff has to happen, or how much distance are they? Are they are they behind the camera? Are they even allowed? Like so, what what it was your experience? It, I think it varies. So some parents are very hands on, right? And they're like, I don't care what you say. Oh, and I they're considered. And by the way, they're considered problematic. Problematic, yeah. and right. their children. Do not work because of that. Right. So Traditionally. I, and I think this mom was really trying to advocate for her daughter and even potentially bring it up to someone on set, but also was like, there is already some damage done that was unexpected. How do we regroup? How well, do we repair? you know how production is. It's like, let's just go. Let's just, just, just get the set. Uh, it's oh, fine. Yeah, the it's kid's a, fine. He won't even remember it. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Whew. So that so that's one instance. And then there's another instance, which is a little even closer. And it's someone I'm kind of, you know, watching grow up at the moment. And when a young person says they are burnt out and they are not even double digits yet, that kind of term is not a normal thing to throw out there. And when people report that the child doesn't smile very often and the child prefers to be alone and retreat to their space and could go, you know, like I did, eight to 10 hours just studying something on my own in a room because that was my programming. It's like, oh, I'm not working right now. Well, I got to go train some new skill. Mm -hmm. I would make reports oh, for fun. Mom, like what? what? <laughs> Jeez. Mom, my mom used to call it cross-training. Cross-training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Cross-training. You'll be cross-trained for if you need to do, you know, this or that. I know that for sports. Like, I was doing multiple sports. <gasps> oh. Not for, like, you know, no, <laughs> mental coping skills. mechanisms when you're nine. No, it wasn't like, a mental – it wasn't a mental – Oh, you're coping. talking about like dance, no, just like singing, it, it was just it was cultivating so more skills yeah, so that I could work more. Because okay. remember, we had those sheets to fill out where it would say, "What are your special, special skills? What are your special?" And skills? And you saw really boxes that weren't checked. You were like, "Uh oh, I better learn the to play tomorrow. <laughs> I need to know how to play the harmonica." <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. And it. I'm six. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Hurry up, mom. Give me another cigarette. I'm working here. Like, <laughs> like, for my mom, I actually, she's like, uh, oh. you know, and here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to just mention the, 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 the side of the stage parent now. 
Because we're not trying to blame the stage parent. It's not no. all about like, oh, you suck, you suck, you're a horrible no, parent. We get it. Like we get why you're doing it. We get the allure of it. We get that maybe the child came to you and it was like, please, Begging and please, yeah. this is my dream. Don't let me, let, like this is my moment, you know? Your kids can also beg for fucking chocolate chips for every meal. Fuck off. That, <laughs> like, you know, that sorry, dude. Okay, but really, no. can we pose that question? At what age should a child be able to make a request that shifts the entire entire family dynamic yeah. and family trajectory. Yeah. Please, like, answer in the comments below. <laughs> yeah. What age should a child have that kind of authority over their life path? Yeah. You want to be able to encourage them to make, To be know, creative. And, creative, and to independent. arts, too. Yes. So people ask me all about this, right, Brendan? And, like, they're always like, okay, so what age are you going to get your kids in? I'm like, well, one of them's potty training. Um, <laughs> so, we focus on that first. Yeah, yeah like, let's just, like, yeah. deal with that. Oh, um, every time they ask it, and I'm then, just like. And then, um, and then I'm like, you know, I want my kids to love the arts, okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't love the arts... You are just trying to be famous and, and you are industrializing your kid. Yes, not to be a dick. But I mean, you know, we have beautiful children. They're 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 blessed. They're beautiful, but they're also fucking hilarious. They're smart and they're precocious and incredible and little <laughs> she-hulks. But um like they associate that with needing to be. Well, you guys are already in it and oh, yeah. since they're like must why commodify aren't they talent. On, we're on the Huggies box right now and doing this and doing that and doing that. and I'm just like Dude, she's five. Yeah. Like, she can't get from fucking one monkey bar to the other yet. Right. You know what I mean? Let's work on that yes. first. Yes. You know? Super inappropriate, also, by the way. Super inappropriate. And, and why it's so interesting to me that because media is such a force in our day-to-day -day life, at least in the States, right. um, that we associate charisma, um, good people skills, humor as something that automatically has to be commodified in the entertainment industry and couldn't just be beautiful personality traits that add beauty to the local community events yes. and that are, you know, your pediatrician, you know, your, your charismatic daughter grows up to want to be a pediatrician who now knows how to help young people feel safe. That's like, incredible. She's why, got great bedside man. Like why you are know? these traits automatically interpreted as must equate to fame and you know fortune and it's like or we can just be dynamic vibrant human beings right right totally agree yeah it doesn't you know? need to be yeah it doesn't need to be captured on a screen no yeah. nah so let's go back to the modules yes um you know my position i do think like there needs to be there needs to be more of an aggressive approach to dealing with the productions themselves. Right. I, I don't know how viable that is, but it, it it is what it would take. Yeah. For there to be significant accountability. Right. I guarantee you, if we were able to do more data collection. Right. See, this is a big part of the problem, is that there's no data collection on how many child actors actually have drug abuse problems and right. you know a, a depression and uh, suicides. I, if there was data, I would say it's a, it probably a majority. I would venture to say that a majority of them have had some depression, okay? Uh, maybe not uh, Maybe not the majority have had addiction issues or whatever, but like at some point, the majority of child actors are depressed and, and have sort of like an, an image issue. So the concept of it being funny, 
like the quippiness of like, oh yeah, who thinks that the Olsen twins are gonna are gonna do Playboy when they turn eighteen? Like that whole thing, right? That was an actual thing. I mean, yeah. seeing my body on pornographic images before I turned eighteen, like all whole sites dedicated. There's so much stuff with image and identity and career. Yeah. How did you How did you see that? You saw that. That's horrible. My dad that, saw mine. Uh, my dad saw mine and he's like, yeah, Christy, I just want to make sure this isn't you. And I was like, oh, God, my dad saw my head on some pornographic image. Yeah. I was, like, I was like 17 or 18, yeah. And yeah, I just, I, I think I was maybe 13 or 14. And, you know, I know it's another strange thing to do, but when needing to find an image of yourself, I don't have images that are from... Hanging yep. out with friends. Yep. So Google. I Google myself yeah. to yep. find like, okay, where was I on this date? I was touring this. Okay. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Sure like it's yeah. really weird. I know that's weird. No, it's not. No, it's I do not. it too. It's, I yeah, have the same problem. You know, and I'm like, I yep. know my, I know myself according to your IMDb red page. carpet yep. looks yep. and you know, yeah. someone's like, we need an image of you with this color hair. I'm like, okay, that was circa da, 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 da on that series. Like I don't, I don't have a track record of just like everyday memories. And also after you're on camera all day long, I wasn't the person who went home and was like, let me take more photos of my, myself. That <laughs> yeah, just wasn't these, my style. Dude, these poor kids now. So like these- Because then social media, right? Right. So these Ugh. kids don't actually even get that respite for when they right. go home because the minute that the cameras are off, they're obligated yeah. to continue living their lives under their own microscope on their phone. Yeah. To go live. I miss yeah. MySpace. To Oof. that was a good time. I mean, that was the beginning of it, though. To be but honest, just just my Tom and your other five top friends. <laughs> you guys are just chilling. Oh, Everyone's yes. top. What do you think about? I'm curious. Like now that we're at an age where you can kind of green light yourself in some ways, you know, just by putting content out there, and it's also an insane trap you can get caught in. But like, how do you feel about young people and social media and like that exposure? Because it's essentially the same thing. Like if right. they were to go consistently viral or end up getting sponsored the content, network, yeah, you know? they are they are the new child actors. Oh, I mean, in some ways, I think it's even tougher because a lot of young people who create followings on social media were not seeking to showcase a particular skill or craft. They're not in some artistic development workshop and then learning to produce content you know, with specific parameters and it's more of a, oops, look what happened. And there's even less preparation right. for, for how to make sense of what's going on. I mean, imagine even just, this is one small and maybe even easier thing to conceive than, than other factors. And that is the concept of momentum. So, you know, a child gets a bunch of likes on one post and then never gets any more likes on the, you know, 12 subsequent subsequent posts. Something as small as that can do a number on their, you know, mind frame of Absolutely. like, what did I do wrong? Am I irrelevant now? What do I need to get back that attention? It felt so good when I had it. It gave me that little high and buzz and I felt seen and heard. Or actually, I, I never want to go viral again because I got all those mean comments. Like, there are so many levels oh, and layers for young people who are totally not trying to be in the industry. Right, exactly. It's like all the negatives of what we I experienced mean, and, and like safety, very few of the confidentiality, positive. like yeah. young people posting their locations and well, like grooming I, and I mean, um, yeah. Can we talk about how many like I was in chat rooms as a kid thinking I'm talking to fans 
who knows who I was talking to. I mean, obviously there were a bunch of impersonators as well. Like it wasn't us speaking, but a lot of people pretended to be us talking to people. Yeah, yeah. But like I was talking to grown men. That was generally the the demo, just my experience. Mm. Wow. Like semi-frequently in a way and, and, and like emotionally coddling them at moments when I look back and I'm like, wow, this was, yeah, this was completely inappropriate on so many levels, but we were, but there's no way to regulate it back then. Really? Not really. Right. You signed up to do the chat. You did the chat, but it is, it's a fine line, man. I mean, and at that time, like as a child, you can't be expected to be the, you know, emotional, like, you know, Well, but we were, and that's the thing, because we were also positioned as the role model who needed to have the answer. I mean, can we talk about how bizarre it is that whether it's a red carpet or it's an interview, we're being asked questions about major topics for Mm -hmm. which we're not experts. And depending on what we say, that will either be quoted in a large publication, like our take on the climate crisis or something, or it'll be misquoted. And then you're like, no, 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 I didn't say it like that. Or uh, that was taken out of context. But like, so much pressure. Did that ever ever happen to you? I was so, okay, let's let's go another layer deeper. Sure, sure. Getting real vulnerable. So, so I actually recently was told that many qualities that I possess may relate to a certain set of qualities um, of someone on the spectrum, on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so I started kind of inquiring and I spoke with a therapist and was like, is there a reason that we might want to kind of check in with this? And so far, like very vulnerable, happening in real time, what we discovered is just the, the way that my life was organized, my cognition, the way I viewed the world, just I I found whatever helped me get through that day. And I I found my own unique way of navigating as we all do. But sometimes from the outside in, it might look a little odd because I would prepare a whole script for every conversation that I had in every social situation, especially with peers and especially the normal day-to-day events with family, phone calls with friends, because I didn't know how to interact with someone in a normal way. And so, so I would scripted it for I yourself. would script it because yeah. I was used to interviews and I was used to being polished, diplomatic. Asked hard questions. Yeah, performative. Yeah. And that there would be consequences depending on what I did or didn't say and how I said it. Yeah. So on the carpet, I think <laughs> In some ways, I've gotten by probably, you know, more easily than many of my peers because I was so careful mm-hmm. and conscientious. But mm-hmm. that means that I've just been paying the toll of feeling like anytime I go outside, I'm like kind of putting on a certain kind of mask. And that's where some people are like, have you ever considered that maybe this isn't, you know, a, a neurotypical way of approaching a social interaction? And and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I suppose, but also my childhood was not typical. You were a little right. set up to fail there in I, that regard. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew scripting scenarios more than I knew authentic conversation. That's the wild. fact that I didn't write out my answers to all of these questions today is like 
a major sign of growth over the last, you know, five to six years. That's great. Prior, we would have had canned answers and a lot of platitudes and like people could take away you three. Great. You look great. Well, yeah, let me ask three bite-sized bits. That, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Let me check in with you. How are you feeling right now about like this whole conversation? I mean, I feel good. I feel relaxed. Okay. I feel like we could good. go for hours. Um, I feel like there's, (laughs) (laughs) yes, and we can say that now. (laughs) I feel like we can explore so much and let it meander. Whereas before it was like, beauty of this format. Yeah, it was like edit sound bites and you've got 30 seconds on this new segment. Like, this is how life happens. Yeah. It's just not a straight line. It unfolds, it emerges. Yeah. I would fight for you. I will I will fight for you. I feel like our paths are only at the beginning. And I say that with like an aspiration to be more involved because there is change that needs to happen. Now, the problem is this, and people aren't going to like this. Uh-oh. You know, we're going to be ostracized silently by the industry because – I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe there are people who are, you know, trying not to have change for whatever reasons. I'm not sure what those reasons would be why you wouldn't want to protect a child. But there, there, there is a mentality of if you're not one of us, you're against us. If you're not going to just do what's been done in the past, you're a problem. Yeah. You know, I've recently been seeing, Allison's been doing a lot of really amazing mental health stuff. She has, you have an app that you've been working with Monique Coleman on? Monique leads one of the categories, yeah, for okay. Movement Genius. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. Movement Genius is something you just launched, right? Movement Genius is a digital platform where we offer classes that help improve mental and emotional health. And it they often incorporate the body. So instead of just viewing mental health as neck up solutions with you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, talk therapy, or medication, or mindfulness meditations that are just about your thoughts Mm -hmm. and thought life. Mm -hmm. This is understanding that at all times of day, we are storing and carrying the stresses of the day, our past traumas, anxiety, and it affects our nervous systems. And so many times for those of us who understand what it feels like to be stressed or anxious, Sometimes you want to tell your body to calm down, but your body doesn't speak that language. It doesn't speak in logic. Right. It speaks in survival and am I safe? And so there are some very real practical tools that allow people to bring a sense of calm to their bodies and regulate their nervous system so you can manage whatever the day brings. I so we this. have I was just I was yeah. just thinking I was like it's my husband powerful. might actually yeah. benefit from doing some movement. So, well, and and just so you know, it's like, it's very practical and grounded in in normal movements. We have anything from a three-minute reset with Dr. Damon, who's just going over the mechanics of, you know, breath and thought and emotion, all the way to like 10-minute seated things you can do at your desk when you're like, I just need a chance to refresh, reconnect, and like stretch out some of the tension because I've been sitting for 12 hours, all the way to, you know games that Monique, so Monique leads the creative category. If you're Mm -hmm. like, I want to explore different ways my body moves Mm -hmm. and then, you know, full 45 minute classes that just help you ground. And we're, we're really excited to see what the response has been. We, we know the tools work. They're designed with licensed psychotherapists and health experts. So we understand that wellness and well-being is typically there are so many barriers 
for people. It's, you know, it could be stigma. It could be finances. It could be lack of access to like a culturally competent provider who mm-hmm. really doesn't understand. Like a lot of people seek support and then find the provider's don't understand their lived experience if they're, you know, queer or they're a black person speaking to a white therapist and they're like, I'm sorry, but you're you're missing some of my day-to-day lived realities. Sure. So for us, when we thought about building this community, building this platform, the app is in development, it was really critical to see like who is who is not being represented in wellness and well-being, who cool. doesn't have access. And how can we make sure not only that our instructors are equipped to speak to that experience, but also that it is wildly affordable? And so actually, you know, I can give you a 30-day code. So anyone who listens to this, you can take 30 days free classes on Movement Genius and, you know, let us know. It's my sister and I, like if you reach out and send an email of what you like, what you don't like, what you want more of, like it goes directly to us and... It is quite remarkable to see the difference. Yeah, I'll I'll give you a code to put in okay. like the we'll put it we'll put it in the description. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I do have a question. Yeah. So your relationship to your body has been extremely cathartic, <laughs> right? And I actually have seen you grow even from the initial follow because I followed you when we were kind of pining for you to be on the cook show, the mm. cooking show, and then I've I've kept following and I kept watching and I saw and I've seen a lot of growth from there like what you're talking about Mm. your journey is very authentically what has happened for you and I've Mm. bear I've bared witness to it or bore witness to it so I gotta say like when you're known for something and you're known for a certain kind of thing and people look at you and they're like do the thing like with you it was the Missy Elliott music video and it's like do the thing where you shake your body and crunk um crump oh shoot (laughs) And also, I'm not trained in crump, but yes. It is. Okay. Uh But you, okay, so you did more stop, pop, and lock stuff, right? Okay, great. This will be a dance education lesson. So if you're a popper, when you hit uh, the actual movement, you would call it hitting. So when people say pop and lock, that's usually how we know they're not trained in those styles because popping is a style, locking is a style. You don't, (laughs) you don't, like... Pop well, and then lock back and forth. So typically. locking is when someone like like jilts like a Tin Man kind of. Popping uh, is when you keep moving, but like sort of stopping. No, so know? locking has a whole different funk and flavor to oh, it. Oh, okay. Um, and and they're under you know a shared umbrella of movement styles, but they're born from different communities and have different music genres associated, okay. even socio political movements around them, like. Did you know that when you were dancing in Missy Elliott's video? So I'm very fortunate that a lot of the people who taught me were, you know, OG hip hop heads and they were able to be like, hey, let me explain to you that you coming into this space as a white person who grew up in a neighborhood and didn't experience any of these things, you are visiting a space where we are welcoming you with open arms and just know that this music is born from a people that you do not belong to directly. Yeah. But, you know, it's it was so important for me to get that whole picture. Sure. Um, so that I was able to really be mindful of how I participated. And I didn't learn all of this right away. So there were many moments where, you know, people would say like, oh, it's a little white girl from the Miss Yelly video. And growing up, I would I would say like, how come they, how come it's always the little white girl? Because I didn't, I didn't think through. And like, I'm just dancing. 
Right. Right. But, you know, as I got older and, you know, we started having much more thorough conversations. Like at the dance studio, like the, just with friends talking about it. You know, I I wish that they were conversations that happened in my own household, but they, they mm-hmm. did not take place there. Okay. And it was usually after some kind of comment was made that was out of line or mm. was inappropriate or it was racist. Mm. And then it was a teaching opportunity. And for me to understand, not saying that I'm always the one who was saying it, but just observing different scenarios and going, oh, this movement, yes, there is a universal nature to us sharing and exchanging this energy. And that is like something that crosses all identities and boundaries and yeah. and everything. And to honor and respect mm-hmm. the culture, the people, the struggle, and the fact that when you do this in a certain setting, you will not pay the same consequences as someone in a different body doing the same movement in a different setting, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, even the concept of battling and understanding like people watch, you know, the Step Up movies and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we're just going to throw a move and then we're going to battle. And I'm like, yeah, no, there are real communities where they chose this as a nonviolent way yeah. of solving things between groups. Yeah. And it was this or you could have used direct physical violence. And so there's way more to this story than just like who throws the coolest You were in a step up movie. I was in a lot of them. Okay. There's so many. It was a little hard. <laughs> that look you're just like I knew I, I met Dwayne Adler, about. right? Did he do some step up movies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He don't... was a nice guy, but yeah. he also had no idea about all of this. Mm. And he just got he got really lucky writing um that hit movie um Save, Save the, the Last, Last Dance. Dance. And then he just started doing stuff up and like he's a really great writer, really sweet guy, and I do think he's actively interested in different communities and stuff, but but he didn't really understand it like you would as a dancer and stuff like that. He well, was sort of a it yeah. there's a there are way more. This is something that like these conversations need to be forefronted anyway and haven't been. Right. You know. But with the way that you just suggested that the dance mm. and learning and being educated on it kind yeah. of and then still enacting that dance was a conversation with yeah. that. I mean it still education. is. Like as I as I got older, I asked myself more and more, should I in this moment be participating? Is it best for me to take up this space right now? Does it make sense for me to um, represent this particular dance style mm-hmm. when I wasn't, tra- I was not in the parking lots training with the community? Right. Even just the difference between studio versus street styles. Right. Like I'm, I was a studio kid. Mm-hmm. It was later that I understood what freestyling was and that I actually did go out and train in parking lots. But that was because other people were willing to, you know, provide you. me that education mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. window into like where everything stemmed from originally. Um, even just learning, you know, like dances that were born from gay clubs and being like, you know, oh, this was a whole group of people who were marginalized and unable to express themselves freely. And so now when they have this, you know, punk or whacking or these certain kind of sharp movements that are ultra expressive, Mm -hmm. like they are saying so much more than just how cute that flick of a wrist is. Right. Dance truly is its own language. Yeah. I mean, and, and also it's so beautiful when you can honor the heritage. Like I, I, when I travel, even within the States, Houston has a different rock to music than New York. 
Mm. And you can, as a, as a dancer or a mover or someone who's studying movement, you know, oh, that's an ATL stomp. That is different from, you know, Chicago footwork. Mm -hmm. And that's different from, you know, a West Coast groove. Right. So it's it's beautiful to be able to, you know, see all of the details and, and meet people who created the styles or, you know, are in the spaces where the style originated. And then you have to also accept that inevitably things will get passed and shared and people will evolve you know, the material and you'll wonder like, what is the line between appreciating the past, but innovating for the future? And then new generations have no idea what the old gen was talking about. So now right. they're just pulling what they want. Like it's, right. it's a whole conversation And here. what they see on social media being done maybe incorrectly. But that's like, that's a huge point of contention. A lot of people see dances on TikTok of movement that's born from a certain community and now has lost its essence, it's lost its ancestry, it's lost its DNA. Yep. And without a child knowing, you know, because they're just thumbing Hopping through on the trends. trends. Yeah, yeah. Especially even with like AAVE and certain things hearing young, young, particularly in my experience watching and scrolling, seeing young white kids. Uh, AAV is African-American vernacular? Yes. Okay. I just learned that from Gemma. Oh, cool. shout out to Gemma. And also we can fact check. Please feel free to fact check me, please. Strong. Um, <laughs> but but I'm listening to young white kids phrase sentences in ways that are clearly derivative of AAVE. Okay. And like facts, yes, period. Um, yeah. Or <laughs> so like funny. recently I watched a young gal say something like, you know, so-and-so do be like, and, and probably has no idea that that is a reflection mm -hmm. of a community of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we wanted to try and reach out to every single person and we knew where to educate ourselves, like mm -hmm. then maybe young people, yeah, maybe this wouldn't happen as much, but that like, this is a loaded separate conversation. No, of course it's not, this isn't is like, there, is there flat? I wonder like, it's not an apologist I you know, to, angle at I all. Like, yeah. I, I always I bring this point up where I try to strongman and like give people I like to try to give most people the benefit of the doubt. What I wonder is it's probably mostly their ignorance. I would I would imagine when they do things like this. But I wonder like is it is it just like imit is it imitation insofar as like they see something where they're like oh that's cool I want to be like that or is it just like. I'm not even, I don't even know where it came from. I'm literally asking because I have no idea. Or is it like, I just don't know where it came from. It just sounds. Well, I would, I would say that finding the why is important and simultaneously, regardless of the why, we're all still ultimately accountable and responsible. So it's like, okay, let's deep dive and figure out what's going on there because then right. maybe we know the point of entry for a conversation. But regardless of if it's ignorance or if it's conscious microaggressions, like the net impact is that we're all complicit in a system that is, you know, disproportionately oppressing and marginalizing certain groups more than others. Right. And so we all have to... I examine if, and figure out how to 
participate in Which a different way. Which is a tall way. order, especially well, if for <laughs> children that are literally consuming things at That's the speed exactly. of light. Right. So yeah. Yeah. But how I, do you... But I yeah. hear you on this accountability thing. It may be something that the app itself has to sort of be mindful of to generate certain well, features. how the how hell are you going to do that with free say, speech? I like, will say uh, I use TikTok and I'm moms of TikTok, FYP. So that means that like I see just a lot of like parent videos about women complaining about how tired they are and how much they love coffee and yoga pants. <laughs> but I do see the occasional like, you know, dancing. Well, and also let's not like, I, I don't need to perpetuate the falsity that like no white person is born in neighborhoods where they're the minority, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like right, right. it doesn't yeah, yeah. mean every single white person, that's not their authentic experience, Absolutely right? Absolutely not. It's just understanding the complexity Yes, you know? but that's the accountability part of it, right? And so when we talk about this accountability and how kids are going viral and becoming famous, look at an Addison Ray, and all she does is, you know, the dances, those dances. And she yeah, probably- I'm not familiar, but yeah. She's pretty much the number one TikToker. Oh. Her and Charlie D'Amelio, and they're the Got ones it. that do these dances, and all of the kids then hop on it because they did it. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's interesting to have your take on it. So thank it's you a very lot much. Of power. Well, you have that power too, which I'm not sure you even realize. Uh, I mean, we all have power. True. Right. Okay. How do you We're all shaping it? each other. True. And I and I could True. argue that I may have with a platform of some size momentary power over, you know, a passing thought, mm -hmm. but the people who made the biggest difference in my my life are people who have never been on a screen and who were teachers and mentors and even strangers who, you know, s spoke to me in a in a way that transformed me. So like, yeah, we all have varying degrees of power and So who yeah. so who got you thinking about your mental health and how you wanted to and really got you into wanting to start to I just had the image of me on the set of Camp Rock, like <laughs> struggling horribly oh, and being like, well, I think that was the, oh, I think man. it was the mirror reflection on that one. <laughs> uh, what am I doing what a, here? Yeah, what yeah. a, what a, a lot of dark, people struggled dark. on Camp Rock. A lot of people struggled. Can we unpack that? That, <laughs> no, that we can't. would be. We can't unpack that one, but. That will be. Yeah hopefully mm -hmm. a healing conversation if that could ever happen if people would ever be willing to come together because that set yeah poisonous huh well it everyone was just growing up and growing up is hard and we were doing it in these very interesting conditions mm -hmm. camp and dynamics <laughs> in a tramping Canada probably right yeah. yeah. But so, I mean, I was pretty deep into my eating disorder. And mm. so I was kind of reclusive because that was, that was, you know, yeah. right. controlling pretty much all of my thoughts all day long. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I think some people who spoke to me as a whole being, which later helped me understand, oh, I'm not just this product. Maybe I need to take care of this whole other self were Nick Cooper, one of my early vocal coaches, mm -hmm. when asked what he does for a living, he tells people that he's a garbage man because he helps clean up the trash in people's lives. <laughs> That's awesome. And Sweet. and I when I say like that is the most accurate description, he was such a force in my healing. And I was I was going to him, you know, several times a week to train, but he could see that I was in some amount of you know, distress almost every visit. Right. And I would often cry during the lesson because he would 
give me a space to express, emote, explore, and be human. Mm. And so my my mother was often concerned, like, what's going on in this lesson that you are falling apart every time? But over time, I feel like he was doing open heart surgery because he was just pouring life into me and then saying like, hey, he would even select particular songs that allowed me to touch into something mm. privately. He would never pry, always mm. respectful, mm. but was so in tune. Mm. And so he, I think, showed me even beyond wherever, you know, whatever music became in my life, that I was a, a whole person and how I interpret what's happened to me has an impact on how I show up in the world. And then I started therapy really young. Um, mm -hmm. voluntarily. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it was about it, but it was very obvious to me that like, if there's chaos at home, if there's chaos on set and I have no nothing and no one that is stable, like, where do I go? I think a therapist's office. I think that room is safe. I think that's the place. Yeah. And my longtime therapist, I've been with her my whole life. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so jealous. That, I mean, <laughs> it's, she... I, in so many ways, was always, again, respectful of the therapeutic boundary yeah. and was such an expert at helping me re-inhabit my body safely after being very numb and, and you yeah, know, you get kind numb. of frozen mm -hmm. and also helping me understand my agency in my life when I only ever thought that I would be a hamster on the wheel and could never speak up or have a voice of my own. And so I think you know, Nick and, and my therapist mm -hmm. were two critical anchors, people. anchors. Yeah. And then any, I think also my, my basketball coach, That's um, fun. Todd, thank Todd. you, Todd, coach Todd. Yeah, Todd. So he, he <laughs> saw me as a regular kid and he did such a phenomenal job at being like, okay, when you're here, like, Here's you're, a basketball. Yeah, but he would be like, you're not starting because you missed practice. I don't care if you were on set. Like, you're part of the team. And mm -hmm. then he would also have the understanding of, okay, I know that you're carrying a lot. So, like, yeah, hop in, play a couple minutes. Oh, that's cool. Like, I think the adults that were not enamored by the industry were the healthiest voices in go. my life. Do you still play basketball, by the way? I can. Yeah, I haven't in a <laughs> while, but... I will say, shout out to Coach Todd, my shot mechanics, game over. Keep that elbow Every tight. time. Like, Spread those. In the cookie mm. jar? Yeah. That's it. And my sister's, my <laughs> sister's great like three-point shooter as well. Yeah. And she played in college and everything. Um, so what brings you joy now besides movement and stuff? What are the simple things that bring you joy? <laughs> that, or that complex really? things. Sure. I'm sure. Like, yeah. What brings you joy? Studying the brain. There you which go. is you true. are you are busy. You are you are doing amazing things. Studying the brain. Is that what you're passionate about? Like I've, neuroscience? Um casually. I haven't okay. started a program yet, but I was the kid who locked herself in her room and studied the differences between biological male and female brain as my effort to help myself understand communications and relationships. Like yeah. I, I was like, if I understand at that time, I was, you know, only thinking about I'll dating day, my dad. male <laughs> humans, <laughs> which like, yeah. you know, that's expanded. But, <laughs> but I was like, if I study the mechanics of their brain, I will be able to overcome any communication <laughs> obstacles. Like, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Not, maybe not the, the average approach. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like Izzy would probably. <laughs> probably, she would. She's obsessed with the human head. We have, uh, our five -year -old we have a, I love it. We have an yeah. amazing, 
our older daughter is extremely intelligent and she's she's obsessed with the germs we Science. have to teach her Prozone. to communicate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's special, man. And she, we're she's a pretty good communicator now. Yeah, she is. Well, she well, is sometimes too much. She'll tell. <laughs> she will and tell. That's you. the thing yeah. is, like, we've taught our daughters about consent and the power of no already. Mm. They know all the proper terms for their bodies, and like they are, mm. they are able to say no and communicate with us about something they don't like for anyone. That's so big. That's so big. Oh, and yeah. so this goes back to that that obsession with structure and stuff like that. But there are certain things that really matter to me. You know, thank you, like, for for coming and being vulnerable and open. I, you should I, definitely, like, get involved with the modules. Like, first of all, sure. you didn't watch the babies, so I couldn't no, be a part of the module. I'm sorry. I'm taking <laughs> I love so where's that is the recurring <laughs> no, 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 no. thing. And we haven't really <laughs> gone into detail, so no one knows what the heck we're talking about. But, like, for real, <laughs> this is what's yeah. pissing me off about this whole movement, okay? It's that fear-based approach or, or, or laissez-faire approach by other celebrities that grew up in the business. Because, ev- like, the majority, like, Drew Barrymore started as a kid, and mm-hmm. she's got a talk show and a platform. And, like, there's people that should get involved with a movement like this because it won't hurt them. I don't think it will if there's enough people that kind of bring awareness to it. It's only going to help. And, you know. But it has to be done so strategically. Okay, t- tell me about that. Tell me about that. Because, so that is why I. Because I'm, people might actually think you're a loose cannon right now because you were vocal no. about it. Well, they might think I'm a loose cannon because I don't think I'm no. super polished in all of my answers. I don't <laughs> think they would think that. Well, so no. that's, that's why my particular approach is we're not here to point fingers. We're not here to name, blame, or shame anyone because that's just going to close people off. Right. You know, relationship 101, and this is a relationship with the industry and people in the industry. Also, it's not a, a solo person. Sometimes there are solo incidents committed by individuals, but this is so much deeper. So if it's decentralized, usually if you try to bring this up to someone and you you point fingers, they go, that's, n- I didn't do that. Right, right. I never said that should happen to the child. So that's the, how I feel when people try to strong arm me and be like, Disney's a bad place. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I'm like, I was like, we're not going to just say no. that. That's yeah, not no. necessary. And I ha- I don't think I've ever said Disney is, you know, 100% yeah. bad. That is not my honest truth. And that's not the full story. No. These are complex situations that require complex conversations and answers. So the process and approach have to be, first of all, way more intersectional because it can't just be us saying, but we were the, you know, token, name the character description or archetype that we both, you know, portrayed. True. So like... So so we know everything about what a child actor goes through. No. That's true. <laughs> there are so many other voices, identities, I lived that. experiences yeah, that have that. to come to the table baseline. Sure. Then it needs to be intergenerational because we have people who were in the industry 20 years ago and have some of that veteran insight, mm-hmm. but also you have young people who are like, but the social and digital landscape is a whole other beast mm-hmm. and y'all don't even know what to think about on this. Mm-hmm. So like they're going to have a voice that is critical and needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. And as we formulate the modules, we have to do multiple things. We have to educate and inform. We have to have it be practical tools that are accessible. But we also have to, from an industry standpoint, convince 
productions, networks, and whatnot to see the value of it probably by running numbers, let's be real, and yeah. saying, you normally have this high of cost. You well, you know, Gina Davis has that Institute for Women that has generated a ton of data. Oh, It's almost great. like you need an institute to run these numbers if, it's right. re- if that's what it's going to take. a good component to have. Yeah. But, but it's so doable. And, and it's provable, it's measurable, and it's in the works. Amazing. Um, and I think, honestly, because it's media, it can have a, a profound ripple effect. And this can be, you know, an example of, of how we can copy and paste this for other, you know, high-performing kids in sports or academics. And then also more broadly, just human well-being in any industry but the the hope is if we focus on children, it might drum up a little more empathy as opposed to being like, you should all care about, you know, yeah. my lived experience. Like right. that, I don't think that'll go very far. In fact, it'll just become another headline that has a spike in attention and then fizzles. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all of these elements that I and everyone involved are trying to be mindful about because I basically want to be the person who's like, no matter what you say to me right now, we have already thought that through and we have a plan for it. I love that. Because then at at that point, you know, if they're like, but it's going to cost us. And we're like, nope, we have that chart for you. But there's no time to do this in the day. We've got to get a thing done. Nope, we already found a way to, you know, do this. But I need to tell the story. And the only way to tell it is to capture the kid on camera. Nope, we've even thought about how you can shoot the scene differently. Like, we we have we got you covered. Yeah, We're still gonna get you. They moving. need the work done for them because it is it's quick and it happens quick. So yeah, mm-hmm. is yeah. Well, that's developing. That's developing. And there, so that's exciting. So yeah, yeah. I've always put myself out there, by the way, for mentorship for people who are young actors if they happen to be, you know, struggling if they're you know currently in the public eye. Like mm-hmm. I've told Disney this too. I'm like, guys, just send them my way. Yeah, I'll be discreet. I won't Same. say any names. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, know that. Allison and I have your back. Yeah. If you ever need to reach out, you need some, if you, we're here for you, we'd like to be advocates in that regard. So, and you wouldn't be alone. Many people do reach out. Not enough to reach out to me. I'm ready to help. <laughs> well, Come on, man. I'm ready. I'm here. <laughs> but even the few who do, I'm like, it's important to know your peers might be feeling exactly the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for what we can do supporting this together. Yeah. And obviously Brendan supports too. And Big time. Yeah. It's going to be great, Allison. Thank you for being you. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, where can we find you? Oh, Lots of places besides yeah. the app. Yeah, where, where, what are your socials? <laughs> yeah, come hang out. Truly do check out Movement Genius because we all need some handy tools to relieve stress. Um, And if anything else, I'm like, that's way more interesting than my day-to-day posts on my feed. But you can find me on Instagram, TikTok. I can't believe that's what we say now. uh, At Allison Stoner. And and do check out the the 30 days free because I'm telling you, like, there's no catch to it. Like, just go try it for free. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. But if you find some things that are like great ways to wind down or to jumpstart your morning or to even we have things like journaling through difficult emotions, like EFT tapping, if you need different techniques to help alleviate stress, like there's stuff there for you. That's amazing. And that's what I feel like my, you know, best offering is if you're going to follow anything 
we do like go empower yourself to feel safe and comfortable and confident in your mind and body. I think I'm about to try it. I'm 100% right gonna say it out. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm so fucking stressed out right now. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Let it, yeah, and, and you can tell us too. I'll put like a little curated package for you. Ooh, so it's sweet. like a couple yeah. of videos you can do together. That'd be oh. great. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Well, things you can do with the, the girls as well. Sweet. Oh, that'd be fun. Maybe they might actually like one of the games, depending on attention span. Yeah. We have, we have people literally like five to 80 who take the classes. So it's amazing. How do you get yeah. that kind of information? They just tap it in to the, or you've seen them. So we have on demand, but then we also have live community classes. So we oh, meet cool. So cool. everyone and we know people by name and yeah, it's, it's beautiful. So come hang. Yay. Yeah. Thank you, Allison. Vulnerable is hosted by me, Christy Carlson Romano, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham and executive produced by Brendan Rooney. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham and our video editor is Eduardo Gamba. Follow Vulnerable wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join me every week for a vulnerable conversation. And be sure to follow Vulnerable on Instagram and TikTok at The Vulnerable Podcast. And make sure to tune in to my YouTube to watch the video version. And join me on my Patreon for exclusive content. 